All right, welcome back to the I'm Your Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. Yes, sir. And today we have a special guest and a friend, a true friend, actually, who I've known him for at least 15 plus years. Uh, Kenny, somewhere around that ballpark or whatever, but we've known him. I met him the same year I met you. Okay, that makes sense. So you've known him for 13 years then because I met you in January 2010, Kenny, and I met Cairo before that. Uh, I actually don't really know exactly when I met you, Cairo, but yeah, our special guest is a true hero, aka Cairo King, who recently topped the, our, what is it called, Deck Devastators 3 tournament, the online Edison tournament, a couple weeks ago now, and yeah, he plays, he's a diva hero player, he obviously believes in the heroes a lot, even in modern Yu-Gi-Oh, he tries to play heroes and make it work for funsies though. Uh, but yeah, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Cairo, aka a true hero? I'm I'm not sure exactly what I'm gonna what I'm gonna call you this podcast, but <laughs> yeah, I mean Cairo, a true hero, it's all good. But the best title I've heard so far is a true friend. Mm. <laughs> a true, mm-hmm. a true, That's right. There's history in that though. A true friend. <laughs> There's some. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you said. All three of us, we've been friends for a long time. Like, a yes, long time. Cairo, I it's, was actually. I was actually wondering, like, do you know how we met? Because I was thinking about it today, and I don't remember exactly what our first interaction might have been or, like, when I met you. I I assume I knew you before I ever went to YCS, though. Oh, yeah. We definitely knew each other 100% before you uh, won YCS. I remember back in the days when um, I first started seeing you playing Yu-Gi-Oh! before you had your accomplishments, and then all I could think to myself was, wow this player is really fucking good. Like, like at that point in time, like people knew how good you were, but you didn't have like a large fan base as you do now. Right. So there were a lot of people who like, you know, were like, oh, he's good, but he's not good enough. Exactly. I sat behind you some, like some of your sets and I would watch you play. And I was like, they don't realize this guy's fucking cracked at the game. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't you used know? to travel. I, it's actually interesting. I tell this story a lot. I guess this is a good time to insert it for people who might be new to the podcast. Welcome. But I never took an airplane until YCS Atlanta that I won. That was the first time I've ever been on an airplane in my entire life. So that YCS, like with Gravekeepers and everything, that was the first time I was ever on an airplane in my entire life, which means that every YCS that happened that wasn't close to Philadelphia, I didn't go to. And back then, because this is way back, but YCSs were mostly not in the Philadelphia area. Luckily, Mm -hmm. we did used to get a YCS Philly every once in a while, but the rest of them would be in California, Arizona, Houston, Stuff like that, like really, really places that you just could not reasonably drive to. And I did have friends that would, in spite of the distance, they would drive like way too far for me, who was in my teenage years. I just wasn't able to do that. Not to mention the fact that I really didn't have money to go to YCSs either. So I didn't get to travel really as a kid, like at all in my teenage years. In fact, my first flight was 20. So just to give you an idea, that kind of tells you my age too. But my first flight ever, I was 20 years old. And uh, that means I never took a flight in my teenage years ever. So that was one thing. And I used to be known regionally just because of regionals, like actual regionals. But yeah, like you said, I wasn't really known. And, you know, <laughs> simpler days. I'll just say that. Yeah. But, but yeah, we like, definitely didn't far, know each other before. As far as like our very first interaction, I don't remember clearly what our first interaction was. Yeah. But like, I mean, it goes way back. Yeah. But I do remember 
Mm. I do remember <laughs> my first interaction with Kenny. And oh, actually, I wouldn't shit. remember, I wouldn't remember <laughs> if it wasn't for him, actually. <laughs> I wanna let him tell the story because he never he never lets me forget it. Uh, well, you know, this is when Cairo m- maybe was a true villain, one of his other monsters. Oh no. <laughs> no. I plan to take the true mil- the true villain moniker myself. We uh we were at a tournament, you know, playing some Yu-Gi-Oh! I was playing Monarchs as I do. And uh I don't remember if it was game one or game two. I think it was game two, maybe. I don't remember. But I've got Cairo, yeah. Cairo in a classic Phoenix Wing Blast, Ryza Loop, you know? Mm-hmm. Just That's a very his, classic. Put, put his cards on top of his deck. He wasn't happy about it. At this time, we don't really know each other. I think we've, you know, we just don't really know each other at this time. Yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> game three, uh, you know, he loses game two. Um, pretty sure he won game one. So game three, shuffle my deck. Boo, 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 boo. Draw my five. It's Ryza, Wing Blast, Ryza, Wing Blast, oh, no. Ryza. And then I drew my sixth card for my turn, Wing Blast. <laughs> my oh. opening hand were the six cards, you know, that won me the last game, but they those six, <laughs> those six can't win you the game like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> you know. And anyway, I lost that uh I lost that match to to Cairo. It was a good good game. Um I don't know if I shook his hand. <laughs> you know i will say this that that not shaking hand thing so a lot of you guys obviously don't know cairo's personality the way we know it because again we've known him for like 15 years now but cairo is um for lack of a better word he can be a a, a gloater he he can gloat mm. a bit and make you feel mm. really annoyed if mm. he's winning so because cairo likes to win i don't think i've ever met anyone in my life who likes to win as much as cairo and that is that's actually an insane compliment because i know a lot of competitive people but i don't think i've ever met somebody with the desire to win as much wanna, as as him outside of myself i want to ask cairo this do you remember the first time you came over my yeah came to my house yeah, so actually it's funny, right? <laughs> because I remember that um you would always invite me over your house, right? And like you said, at that time we didn't even know each other well, but like you found That's out that like, I play video games and yeah, like, actually, yeah. like some of the <laughs> same common games. So you're like, oh Carol, like you gotta come over, right? So actually, and I don't think I've ever told you this, Kenny. The reason why I finally decided to come over your house that first time. Because when we were all at like AU one day, I heard Frazier talking about like how amazing your place was. I thought Kenny was Frazier, trying to dominate me, uh, to be honest. Like when I was younger, with the first time I ever went over his house, I was like, I just met this guy. He's like, oh, you can come over to my house. And I was like, all right, I'm getting dominant. Like I'm definitely getting dominant. But, but, you know, I was with it. Like I was, I was fully complicit in it. And nothing bad happened. So I, you know, I told every, all the other black guys at the local, you should go to Kenny's house. Yeah, he's safe. He's safe. Nah, dude, I just, I mean, you two know, but for those of you that don't know, I used to always, like my house, especially the basement, was just like the hangout spot. I used to love having people come over. We would all play video games, hang out and shit. It was a good ass time. And so if I, it didn't take long for me to know if I vibed with somebody. Like some people, like if I clicked with them, like the only reason why I invited Cairo over my house after not really knowing that much is because based on the small interactions we had, I clicked with them and I was like, oh, this guy's cool. I can have fun and hang out with him. Whereas there's a bunch of other people who I knew longer than Kyra at that point who I never invited over. Also, um, I, and, and, in your defense, and I'm just thinking about this in this very moment, I've never been to your house or seen anyone at your house from our locals that I 
thought was a bad idea to have that person there. I'll say that. Mm. So, and the people who you did have over your house, you're still friends with them today, like pretty much all of them. Yeah. So it actually, in a weird way, I'm basically saying you have a good judge of character because all of the people who used to come over to Kenny's basement to play video games, play cards or whatever, they're all still like part of his friend circle today. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Some 15 years later or whatever. Like we're all still friends. We're all still cool. And none of them were, none of them made me feel like I really wish you didn't bring this specific person here. Because <laughs> there are some people, you know how it is. At locals, if you're listening to this, you know that there's there's a couple guys or, or maybe there's just one person at your local that you would never want in your house. Okay? There are certain, so we definitely have a couple of those that is just like, this guy can't know where I live. I would never have him in my place. And it, it is what it is, right? Like, not, not every place is for everybody. But yeah, Cairo, me... Like there's a ton of like Cam was over there at one point I remember. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, Garrett Gary. He's playing obviously. Soul Caliber. Yeah. So what were you saying, Cairo? Yeah, but like so the reason why I came over was because you know Fraser pretty much hyped up your place. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, why not? Like, you know what? He's been inviting me over, and it's just like when people keep inviting you, eventually they're gonna stop inviting you, right? Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let me let me go while he he still thinks like I'm cool. I'm cool to hang out. So you know. We get to 69th Street, okay? We get to 69th Street. And while we're there, he's like, oh, like, um, it's kind of hard to get to my place right now. We got to catch, we got to catch the 102, right? And yeah, the like, easier one would be like this other bus, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I don't know anything, right? Because it's my first time yeah. like going, you know, to his place. So I don't know anything. So I'm just like, okay, cool. So we get off the 102 after, you know, some time. And when we get off, it looks like it's the middle of nowhere. And I'm oh, like, yo, the what the fuck thing. did I just walk you into? You thought you were getting down. It wasn't like daytime. It wasn't like daytime. It was like yeah, because we went after we went after we were hanging out at Red Caps. So it was like 11, 11 o'clock at night or twelve o'clock at night. Yeah. So like, and then at one point, I swear to you, we walked past a graveyard, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like this man I trying to get that. me. This man is trying to get me, and I'm just like, oh man, like, but I, I can't go back because I like that's it. The 102 goes one way. Like at that time, I, you're not coming back. So I didn't have a choice, you know? And, you know, it's not like I could call an Uber or something like that. So I'm just like, well, I made a mistake. I should never, should never listen to Frazier. Like, like I made a mistake, you know? No, I made a mistake. And, you know, eventually, you know, some more time goes by. And then we pull up to this residential neighborhood. I'm like, oh, shit, this is nice. Mm. I'm like, what happened? You know? And then, uh, you know, we walk inside and I'm just like, Oh, you feel the central AC when yes, you walk in? That's the first thing. <laughs> I'm like, and then, you know, Kenny was just talking about his basement, and you see the basement, big ass TV yep. hooked up with video game systems. Yep. And I'm just like, oh, we're about to have a time. Yeah. We're about to have a time. I have, I have and, you know, own. that was, that was like, you know, definitely the beginnings of like a beautiful friendship because it's, yeah, man. From, from that, that time, we- I've gone over, you know, Kenny's house, like, countless of times like yeah. i can't even count we've gone time. on the play so many games together during the ps3 era this is before ps4 and all that me and cairo had like this mission we were like we are going to own and play not well but own and play every fighting game on the ps3 and we had that's a right. really good time doing that that's right we actually we did it to the best that we could right because you know what they yeah. say a jack of all trade a master of none but regardless we still like to people's houses to play street fighter we were always playing smash competitively we played soul caliber like we played them all the game was at evo like to a certain competitive extent we you know played it we tried to be good at it you know the only one that like 
we weren't feeling as much, but we still wanted to get decent at it was Marvel versus Capcom. And we said, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, we have to get good at this game to show other people why their game is bad. Oh, you shit. Know? That's Kenny <laughs> likes that. That's one of his favorite things to do. Like, I'll read this manga or I'll get into this show or this movie or whatever just so that people know it's bad. So I can argue <laughs> both sides of the fence. Because when people go, oh, well, you just have to watch it or you just have to play it for yourself. He could be like, I did. And it's bad. <laughs> like, that's his thing. But, yeah. Okay, we can continue where we are. So, I actually have my own story of uh, going over to Kenny's house in the early days before I really knew him like that. And we had to catch the alternate route, which was the 102 route. And I had the exact same experience as you, Cairo, where you get off, <laughs> you realize you're next to a graveyard. And then it, it just becomes this weird... Because we would leave locals at a really late hour. I'm talking like midnight you know, 1 a.m., stuff like that. We Because we would go to Fresh Grocer after Locals. We were Degenerates with Yu-Gi-Oh! And just, I guess, yep. gaming in, in general, we were Degenerates. So after the Local would close at, like, let's say 10 or 11, we would then go to the Fresh Grocer, which, which was a 24-hour grocery store, and they had an upstairs dining area. But we just turned it into Locals after hours. And yep. everyone from the Locals would go to the Fresh Grocer and chill there until some of them would stay way too late. Like they would stay until literally the sun came up. Uh, Kenny and I would pretty much stay for a couple hours. And we were like, are you ready to go? And then we would just go to his place and play video games there or whatever. But yeah, the first time I saw that graveyard and we had to walk, it's a good amount of walking too. I did <laughs> not like the neighborhood because there's this, you get to this one part where there's like an abandoned house and it's just really eerie. Like that whole street is eerie because there's like a, a cornfield or whatever on one side. Like it's like really high grasses. And then it's just like this abandoned house. It just made me feel so strange. Like, yo, if this white boy attacks me, it's on. Like, like I'm not going out like that, G. I am not going out like that. But yeah, no, every, I, everything was good. The graveyard. I never thought anything of the grave. Like, I don't know. It's because I've always seen it. Right. Yes. So you, I just don't even. And then I remember when we were walking and at this time, like, me and Kyra weren't as close as we are now, but we um we were friends at this point, right? Just like yeah. we were like uh you know the friends that you see at work or something, or yeah. your friends you don't know each other that well yet. So anyway, we were walking, and I remember Kyra was like, "Why the fuck are we going through a cemetery?" <laughs> <laughs> like he was not comfortable at all with the graveyard. Like he was not cool with it. I mean, can you blame them? But yeah, we had a lot of fun back in the day. Those were simpler times. I often think about how different everything was when you could just spend like several days over your friend's house, playing video games, playing cards, shooting the shit, going to Wawa a bunch of times. Man, uh, at Wawa walk. Yeah, I remember. Everything. I remember back in the day. It's because of Kenny, actually. I actually got uh, a lot better at many fighting games because if I would have never met Kenny, I would have never played Street Fighter. I would have never played Tekken. I would have never played Soul Calibur. I would have never played Smash. Like, oh, oh man, you didn't play Smash? Yeah, until Melee. Like, well, no, he he didn't play Melee. Until okay, he, okay. Melee. he played Brawl. Yeah. yeah. So when we were younger, what we used to do, because you know, for those who don't know, I also play Melee. I'm not as good as you know other people who have been featured on the channel, i.e. Stango. But you know, I'm not bad. I'm definitely better than the average person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, at that time. I was terrible, you know, because I only played Brawl. And Brawl and Melee, they're two very different games. And we used to play, if you lose, you got to make the iced tea, you know? <laughs> Loser has to make the iced tea. So because I was so bad at the time, 
I'm always the one making the iced tea, <laughs> you know? That's so this was going for like a, a long time. It's just like, all right, Kyra, you know what you got to do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to go and make the iced tea. But I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely thankful that like I kind of went through that because those were, those were the training days, you know? That's those what, were the that's, training days. That's what makes people better. You know what I mean? I'm a good coach. All right. I'm not Kobe Bryant. But damn, I'm, I'm you know I'm a coach. Yeah, I'll get that's, you there. That's also okay. a really good bet too. Like it doesn't hurt anyone. No one's losing money or anything. So it doesn't leave it doesn't leave a super bad taste in your mouth when you lose. And you get to enjoy. You, in fact, it leaves a good taste in your mouth. You get to enjoy some iced tea. <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, but all I'm gonna, gonna say is if we if we did that now, I wouldn't be the one t- uh, making the iced tea. <laughs> no, that's why we don't do that bet anymore. Let <laughs> <laughs> me let you know exactly who he is. There's another like. There's something that these two know about me. I don't make bets if I don't already know I won the bet. Same with that me. Is true. I actually am the, I'm the same way. I don't gamble. A lot, a lot of my friends love gambling. They love going to the casino. They love playing like, you know, blackjack and poker and all these things. And they always try to coerce me into doing it with them. And I'm just not a fan. They're like, oh, you'd be so good at it. You're great at Yu-Gi-Oh. You would be able to transfer a lot of your skills. So many people are bad. They just throw everything at me to get me to play. They're like, mm-hmm. people are so bad for Azure. It's free money. You go to the casino, you just literally take these people's money. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> at the end of the day. I just don't want to find myself in a casino multiple times. My casino is going to a YCS. Like that is the casino for me. That's as far as I'm going to go. If it really was that free money, like all they would all be rich. Like that's how I feel. And none of them are. (laughs) Literally, none of them are. I might go as far as to say I have more money than all of my friends, which is like (laughs) just like so there's that. So let's just let's just put it there. But uh, okay, I do have some questions for our guest. So a true hero, uh, you recently started your YouTube channel, and it mm-hmm. is primarily uh, you know based on you playing Diva Heroes. You're one of the last people, if not the only person, who's still piloting Diva Heroes in Edison format. The deck in 2022 started off as being considered the best deck at the beginning, but then towards the end of 2022. It saw zero tops for a couple months, and no one was playing it at all anymore. The main guy who used to play it, Soch's Ruin, he even abandoned the deck and started playing zombies. And so you really are like the last guy playing heroes. And I just want to know, for people who don't know, like, why are you drawn to the hero archetype so much? Has that always been a thing for you, or what is it? You know, it's funny, right? Because there's two aspects of it. The first one is, like, when I was younger... I had a really good friend in high school and we used to play like Halo together. Okay. And I'm terrible, terrible at FPSs, like really, really bad. They've never been, you know, my forte, but he was really good at them. And, you know, in Halo, when you killed someone, it'd be like, blah, blah, killed somebody. Right. And like, people would try to make like all these like cool names. Yeah. Mine was Uh, a cancer patient for people for when I was a kid. My name on every single thing was the cancer patient. So when you lost to me, when you got killed by me, it would say the cancer patient killed you. Yes, exactly. And that was was honestly, considering what was going on when I was a kid and like the names that I would see, I wasn't thinking hard enough because some people had some fire, like (laughs) absolute fire. I won't even repeat some of the names that I saw on there, but I get the idea. So yeah. So uh, because I was so bad and he was so good, like I was, I came up with like a joke. I was like, you know what? This is what we should do, right? One of us should be a hero and the other one should be a sidekick, right? But like, because you're good, you can't be the hero because it would be too obvious, right? Everybody <laughs> will go after you, right? Like I'll be the hero and then you can be the sidekick and then no one will go after you. And then you're going to go on like killing sprees and everything, right? So he's like, oh, again, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, right? So like, that's how the whole like 
a true hero thing came up. So it was supposed to be from Halo. Like, you were a, a true hero killed you. One Punch Man, yeah. basically. <laughs> but you reality, one punch like, man? I'm just terrible, you know? Huh. Um, and then as far as, like, why I got into the hero archetype, it just so happened that, like, because uh, this Halo came out well, well before, like, Jaden Yuki, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I was like, oh, that's cool. They made an archetype kind of, like, after, like, my gamer tag and things like that. And then it's just, like, I don't know. Like, I really just thought the hero cards in general were, like, no pun intended, like, cool. So I think Stratos is just, he's just, he's just the do-it-all monster. You know what I mean? Like, he carries, he carries heroes on his fucking back. And like in the beginning, heroes didn't even have straddles, you know. Yeah, they didn't. So I was going to say the hero like, cards at first to me, somebody who's super competitive, they were awful. And then oh yeah. straddles came out, and they became literally the best archetype ever created at that time. Like not even close because of straddles. Yep, it's yep. ridiculous. It's just like heroes. They always struggled from the problem from the beginning. It's just like essentially they're two for one, right, or three for one, right? Yeah. You have to use polarization. You have to use two cards, and you get one monster. And it's just like. They weren't good. But over time, like Konami realized that, you know, no one's going to play heroes until they do something about it. And they came out with cards like Miracle Fusion. They came out with cards like Stratos. And like in today's meta, like fusion is just fucking cracked. You get pluses when you fuse fuse now. Yeah, Yeah, fusing now is not even you fuse from the deck, first of all, most of the time. (laughs) Or you fuse with your opponent's monsters. It's just nonsense now. It's not even, it's so nonsense, but they did eventually make heroes competitive, like you said, with Stratos, with Miracle Fusion. Absolute Zero, I think, is by far the best fusion monster uh, that they got for a long, long, long time. Like that guy requires just, you know, two, was a hero and a water monster. It doesn't even have to be an elemental hero. It could be any kind of hero, which has synergy with D heroes and evil heroes. I didn't know until last year, towards the end of the year, I think, we found out that elemental hero Gaia says like it has to be an elemental hero that you fuse with so that was a surprise yeah, to me it's so weird too because as far as i know they're part of the same like sub archetype they like are. gaia absolute zero like they are these elemental like literal elemental hero boss monsters where like he's a water and a hero yes. guy is an earth and a hero so it's weird that he absolute zero doesn't require an elemental hero it can be any hero but gaia needs an elemental hero not to mention gaia came out after absolute zero and a lot yeah. of people speculate that the reason why it requires elemental heroes because of how powerful absolute zero was if you could just use any hero like absolute zero gaia and the rest of those wind fire whatever they would have been too much but like whatever heroes deserve it in my opinion because of how many sets when you play the progression series with stango like cairo cairo and stango actually play a series together where they go back to the beginning of Yu-Gi-Oh and they open packs from every set and then like make decks and keep playing each other. So if you know what the progression series is, you know what I'm talking about. They do that and they get to a point where heroes come out in like 05 or some shit. And when I tell you that those sets are just so bad, like there's so many sets where it's like, all I want out of this set is Cyber Dragon. There is nothing yep. else in this set that I want. All of the heroes that came out of the set, everything that came out, Elemental Energy has like a few cards. Like there's always... One or two cards like, oh, Brain Control's in a set. Oh, Pot of Avarice is in a set. And then everything else is unplayable. And so yep. there was a period where, despite the fact that the main character of the TV show, Jaden, would be playing heroes, their cards just were not good. So I hated that because I wanted to like, you know, I, I grew up watching the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. So I liked Yami Yugi. I liked seeing his decks, his cards and stuff like that. But then when you get to, to Jaden, to GX... And his cards all suck. I'm like, man, he wins in every duel that he plays on the anime. 
But then if you try to do any of that shit in real life, it's just not even yeah. close to working. And it's a little cheesy too. That's kind of the other thing that is, this is more of a me thing here, but I would be more of a true villain because I just hate happy-go-lucky characters like Naruto and Asta yeah. and stuff like that. Like if you're, if you're too happy and too, you know, uh, I guess light, like right. You're on the light side. I typically don't like those characters. I'm more of an Aaron Yeager, Yagami light, uh, Lelouch V Britannia. <laughs> I'm more of that type of person. So when it comes to characters, I didn't like Jane and Yuki. So heroes naturally bothered me. And as a result, Cairo naturally bothered me. And so we've always had like a really interesting <laughs> friendship where it's like, you know, you're cool. I like messing with you, but then I hate that you like heroes so much. And I kind of want to make you like despair about them. Like that was a part of being younger. It's like, I, I want you to not like what you like because you shouldn't like it. Cause it's too nice. It's too happy. Go lucky. That's right. And also another reason why I kind of was drawn to heroes is, and a lot of people don't know this, right? I mean, the original episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, the first one, so we just said Jaden Yuki, he's known for playing heroes. Yep. The first episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX came out on my birthday. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. So it was like meant to be. Yep. It, it was yeah, exactly. Exactly. It came out October 10th, 2005. The first American episode. So it's just Damn. like, I was already like kind of drawn to it. And you know, all the random fact, you were talking about Naruto. Naruto and I share the same birthday as well. October 10th. What the So it's hell? like, I always thought yeah, yeah, I know. I'm yeah, great. I find I'm the main you character. so annoying. I'm great. I'm great. I'm the main character. <laughs> oh my god, you! This is not fair. <laughs> yeah. So That's it's so just like random. I, I, I've always just been attached to heroes because like I thought they were cool. Like the first episode came out on my birthday, and it's just like yeah, it's kind of just it was meant to be. It's so there was like a, meant to be. There was a period back in the day. I remember you used to play Lightsworn. I think you had a stint with Black Wings. I remember like a lot of your decks, you know, long ago, and. I guess now that Yu-Gi-Oh! got to a point where all of us kind of quit. Like, you moved to Korea. So for people who don't know, like, Cairo currently resides in actual Korea. And you moved from the States to Korea. And so we don't really get to see you as much anymore, except around, you know, like, holiday season or whatever. But when you moved, you also mentioned that, like, you stopped playing Yu-Gi-Oh! to us. This is kind of like an off-camera off conversation that we had recently. But uh, do you want to talk about your younger Yu-Gi-Oh days and then how you, when you yeah. left, like what you were leaving behind to go to Korea. So it's just like, I always loved Yu-Gi-Oh and, you know, I always tried to win, but like when I was younger, I wasn't very good. You know what I mean? Like I just loved the game Same. and, you know, I would get better and better and better, but like I was never good enough to like, you know, win like a YCS or like, you know, win like a really large scale tournament. Yeah. And um, as I got older, I just was like, well, I'm going to Korea and like, it's time to like, you know, put the toys behind and like become an adult. Also, also, um, at that time, I think like, you know, there wasn't really like a heavy online Yu-Gi-Oh like presence because like yeah. dueling network was having like some issues like with lawsuits and things like that. And like in Korea, they don't play the TCG. You know what I mean? So it's like, even if I wanted to play Yu-Gi-Oh in Korea, I can't. I never even I thought can't. about that. You're in the OCG. Yeah, right. It's a, technically it's the OCG over here. So it's just like yeah. I I can't play Yu-Gi-Oh even if I wanted to. So I gave all of my Yu-Gi-Oh cards, literally all of them, uh, to my cousin. Right, and my cousin, like I grew up playing Yu-Gi-Oh with him, and like he's kind of the reason like I stayed in the game because mm -hmm. uh, we would always have this like uh, rivalry between us, and like he's in Alabama, and it's like 
we would train like he trained for nine months. I trained for nine months. And then like during the summer vacation, like I'd go down there and we'd see like who got better, like during the nine months. Mm-hmm. And um, I just gave everything to him. I was like, you know, I'm going to Korea. Like, you know, this rivalry, like it's over. Like you can have all of my cards. So I literally gave every last single card that I own. And at that point, you know, I had a decent, decent collection. Um, and I just gave him away because I was done with the game. Around when you know, I came this to Korea. Year? This was I left to Korea in 2016. So it was 2016. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy. So, uh, you left to Korea in 2016, and it feels like you've been there for 10 years to me. I mean, hey, almost, right? Mm-hmm. It's 2023. Oh, yeah. It's not not far from 10. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's closer to 10 than it isn't. So it's you know, it's only yeah. three years away from being 10 years, but yeah, it just feels I felt like I don't know why I was gonna say you left to go to Korea in like 2014 or something, something crazy, but Dude. But even still, 2016 is actually now that we're in 2023. 2016 is actually far away. It's just weird because I remember 2016 very, very well because of a lot of things. Music. I remember where Yu-Gi-Oh was. Like the Life of Pablo by Kanye West dropped that year. Uh, Kendrick Dam was coming out around that time. Like a lot of good projects came out in 2016. Yeah. Drake, Drake came out that year. Views did come out in 2016. Yep. So there's a lot that happened in 2016. And that is actually now what seven years ago? Like it's so crazy to think about. I uh I remember <clears throat> when like leading up to Cairo leaving uh to go to Korea, me and him were hanging out like a lot of the days. I think we actually it might have been the day before he left like literally the day before he left to go to Korea's last day. We went to go see Deadpool in theaters, I think. That's right. It was. It yeah. was. So, yeah, we went, we saw Deadpool in theaters, and then, like, we hung out, and then I remember we were just, like, hanging out, like, out in, like, this fucking field or whatever, and we were just, like, talking about how he's going to be leaving, and, like, just all of this different stuff, like, having, like, a heart-to-heart and friends and stuff, and then I remember making a joke, because I don't remember if Trump already won the presidency or if he's about to win, and not to get political, but I was like, you better be careful, you might not make it, they might not let you back in, man, like, they might not let you, <laughs> like, when you go, like, they might not let you back. Yo, that's real, though. 2016 yeah. was an election year too, so I didn't I didn't think about that in, at the moment, but that's yeah. Very actually, true. he he I don't think he was elected at that time, uh. But then, like, I think he he got elected. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Crazy um, times. So you that was leave- a great. Go ahead, Kenny. I was going to say that was like a great like last week. I remember we just like we were hanging out and like I met like some of your other friends who I never met before. It was, it was a good time. Uh, so you leave you leave the United States. You go to Korea. You pretty much say, all right, well, Yu-Gi-Oh's done for me at that point. And then years later, many years later, I guess now, 2022 happens and you find out about Edison Format. How did you find out about Edison Format? Uh, that's a really good question. You know, this is the thing, right? Even though one reasons why, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh players don't quit Yu-Gi-Oh is because you make so many good friends yes. in Yu-Gi-Oh. You know what I mean? And like, even if you leave the game behind, it, you can't leave your friends behind and then your friends are still playing. Yep. So it's just like, it's a when I look at like my Facebook, a good portion of my friends come from Yu-Gi-Oh. Like I have a lot of like Yu-Gi-Oh friends like on Facebook. So it's just like, even though I wasn't playing Yu-Gi-Oh anymore, I was still kept abreast of what was happening in the Yu-Gi-Oh community. Like I knew who was winning the YCSs. Mm-hmm. I knew like, uh, for example, like the top decks of the format. Like I knew everything about it. And then, you know, from time to time, right, uh, when Dueling uh, Book came out, I'd play a little bit of modern Yu-Gi-Oh, like, here and there, you know, because like you said, I tried to play Heroes in modern format, and 
that shit was garbage. But anyway, I played like here and there, but like not how it was before. When I say here and there, I mean like literally maybe two or three times a year. Like yeah. I really didn't play Yu-Gi-Oh. But then I saw like Edison format was having like a really big Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. I saw it like from a like a YouTube video. First, I probably heard about it from like one of my Yu-Gi-Oh friends. Then I saw it from like Keegan's like YouTube video. And I was like, oh, like this is pretty cool. And I think it was already after the first tournament. I think it was around the time of the second one, RBET2. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like this is really cool. But at that time, like Edison format, like I wasn't familiar with it. You know, I was like, oh, uh, like what cards are good in Edison format? And then, you know, my initial reaction was probably the same as a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh players. Like, oh, they don't have the good cards. There's no solemn warning. There's no glow up that, you know what I mean? XYZs right. aren't out. And I was just like, ah, I don't know. But then like I got to play and I was like, oh, I really like this format. Because I think Yu-Gi-Oh, in my opinion, was at its peak right before Pendulums. When Pendulums came out, for me at least, it started to slowly go downhill. Slowly go downhill. So I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh. Yu-Gi-Oh's had a couple I dark periods, but you're, you're not wrong. And uh, I got into playing it, and like um, I, was, I was asking you guys, because you know I wasn't familiar with the format, because I think you guys started playing a little bit before me. Like, oh, like, you know, I want to play Heroes, but I'm sure that they suck. And I remember you said... At that time, oh no, heroes! They actually have done. They had the most tops at that time. Yeah, you know, at that time was it was doing it was doing the best basically out of all. The and decks. it was cons- like everybody was saying. People were like, "Oh, it's the best deck." Yeah. But then, of course, after that, nobody saw success with the deck afterwards. You know, yeah. uh, the deck just it fell off. It fell off. Uh, and then you know, as time went by, we began to see the power of black wings and. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, the Blackwing summer, because that's kind of, I want to say, when it started to really get bad. Blackwings from the summer to the end of the year just dominated so much. And it, it started to it started to look like Edison format was just going to be Blackwing format. And that is a that was a bit depressing. I think that all of us kind of slowed down a lot on Edison at a point because of yep. just what was happening. Like, everybody was playing Blackwings. The Blackwing mirror match, spoiler alert, is terrible. It's one of the worst mirror matches ever is very 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 low on skill and interactions that actually like will dictate who wins and more on just like i drew more sirocco's traps and whirlwind like it, it it honestly comes down to that a lot of the time especially when two people are pretty decent uh yeah. you know if somebody's just really really awful they can fuck it up but it's not it's so i think it's hard to even fuck it up to be honest like some hands are just so blatant and it's like oh i I literally have more Sirocco's than you and I'm I'm probably going to beat you because of it or I drew brain control at the right time, stuff like that. So the Blackwing mirror match is terrible and if everyone plays Blackwings, then the format actually suffers. I'm very happy yep. that that is not what happened and people like you who keep things like Diva Hero alive, uh, you got the Fairy decks, which people believe is a, like a, they think it's a positive matchup against Blackwings, not that debatable or not, uh, isn't the point. The fact that people are willing to play other decks is a good thing. Monarchs, yeah. And Hero Beat and Light Sworn and Christia Sworn and the new Machina Control deck. Decks are still coming out. Like we we're still getting new decks. The deck that won the last tournament, Chaos Fairies, that wasn't really a thing before. Like I didn't see that top any tournament before it won a couple weeks ago. So like it's crazy the amount of innovation that's still happening because there's there's tournaments pretty often in Edison, like big tournaments. Yeah. Like every fairly every often. Month, yeah, every other month I, at least. I feel like almost everyone 
there is like some new shakeup deck that's like, whoa, yeah. that's not that wasn't nobody was playing. And it's how consistently there's a new deck type that people are like, oh, nobody was playing that. And like the card pool hasn't changed. It's just <laughs> it like, can't. That's the best part about it. The card pool is locked. It is yep. locked. So whatever is in there, that's it. We have to figure it the fuck out. And I love that about it because you don't have to worry about, oh, they're going to change this or that. The ban list might come out and mess up your deck. You got to buy this new set. Nope. Once you buy your Edison cards, that's it. Like you just have your deck forever in theory. And I don't foresee a future yet where the community starts to do like a smog and thing where we start to ban brain control and dust you, even though those oh, things will be they do that, walk of additions. I, I would love it though for certain cards that are super problematic like honestly i think if, if they just said brain control and dust shoot are banned like just those two i think we would be playing in a 10 times healthier format just with those two cards going yeah but once you yeah, start i don't know if, it's if like start, the thing is, it's just like it's one of those things where it's a domino effect it starts with like you said just brain control and then it goes into dust shoot and then it's like well we got rid of brain control we got to get rid of mind control Oh, like, it's just like, it's a dot. It's kind of like, this is a discussion like me and Kenny had a long time ago. I see him shaking his head a long time ago <laughs> with, with Pokemon and like Megas, right? And for those who are unfamiliar, like in Gen 6 and Gen 7, like uh, the Pokemon company, like Game Freak's new kind of like uh, thing for Pokemon was Mega Evolutions. And like, they were, for the most part, pretty balanced. But there were some that were clearly better than others. And it's just like the community saw it as a problem. So like, oh, like, you know, we don't want to get rid of the mechanic completely because we think it's cool. So, you know, we'll just pick off a couple. And like as they started picking off a couple, then new mega evolutions that weren't a problem became a problem because now this one's gone. So now this one's the king. Now that one's gone. So now this one, the king. And it eventually led to them just banning like mega Pokemon that should have never been banned. And like, I feel like this kind of same situation so would happen with Yu-Gi-Oh. so let me uh, give like, some counter argument to this uh all right so what you're saying is we know the world is fucked up but let's keep it the way it is because if we touch one thing we have to keep touching things after that and while that has happened in other communities that doesn't mean that you don't you don't stop a problem when you know something is a problem like i think what needs to really happen is you need a really good community uh an actual council of people who are intelligent and not just shitty losers in some basement making up rules because often what happens with that is you get situations like what happened with smog and megas and wherever they were right or wrong right a lot of people did not like what happened what i am suggesting is more so there is no argument for a trap dust shoot and brain control to be left in the game they're just not good for the game they are in every single deck and they are unhealthy cards like there is nothing about them that is good for the game and after they are gone you couldn't even argue that any one archetype is hurt more by having them gone. Like, you can't even be like, oh, well, now that those two are gone, this card is super problematic. Like, my control doesn't even compare to brain control. And this is the type of thing that a strong council of people with, like, real thinkers, and it has to come down to a vote and everything. This is where they say, like, we don't need to get rid of mind control. Mind control is actually not as problematic as any of the other cards. Like, for example... Somebody on my channel said that Gores is too problematic and a lot of games are won by Gores. And I responded today and said that Gores is not problematic. Gores literally requires a specific action from you in order for it to even be used at all. And so you can play around it to probably the highest degree of any other card in the entire format. 
It is it's one of probably the, most, the most played around card in the entire format. Mm. And the fact that you can do that means that it's not problematic. But do you see, and no offense to this person who wrote the comment, but do you see how a person thought that Gores is so problematic that it should be out the format? That's dangerous, right? Because that's basically what you're saying is that somebody could say, now we have to get rid of Gores. And that's when you need people to be like, no, why would we get rid of Gores? Gores is literally, you can, li if somebody drops a Gores on you and you lost because of it, you did something. Like you had to do that to make Gores playable. And it's just like, one example of what I mean by having a council of people who are, are able to think and actually offer real arguments as to why things need to go or not go is a big deal. But I think in the case of just brain control and dust shoot, there, there really doesn't need to be anything else that 100% is so problematic that it should go. I really just hate those two cards specifically, and that could just be a me thing, but I think that those two cards create the most uh, non-games, and you didn't really deserve to win this game scenarios for edison format that's just like a right like those two cards specifically are like the most ignorant and i don't care about any of the other like oppression is fine colway is fine jd christia dark arm like all of those cards are fine you still need some power cards in the format i don't want to go down the whole list and be like now dark arm's too much now jd's too much now christia is too much now something so is too much like no let people play their decks but uh two cards that are splashable in every single deck like brain control and, and trap dust shoot they're in all the decks like they and if they're if you're not playing it your deck is probably just not good like 99.9 percent .9 your deck is not a good deck if it's not playing those cards so like that it's just annoying it's just really annoying when you have stuff like that but not to get like too too sidetracked but i understand yeah. what happened with the megas because me and kenny actually talked about that on this podcast too about yeah the, the, uh, the thing is the 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 sad part is is the, um unfortunately it's all a pipe dream because konami's never konami's never going to allow that to happen anyway well no we don't need konami for that though we're talking about like all the tournaments that are happening online on dueling book yeah yeah like they don't, don't require konami anyway but it's um it's one of those things that's like and maybe i misunderstood the 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 push before but i remember like initially there was like a big push to even getting konami to recognize that and now like the fact that they do i assume you know they want to like continue to push that and continue to have konami support it and then so then branching off and making another format and fragmenting it more might, I don't know. I agree with that too. I agree that if you start to fragment it, it could like derail what's happening with Konami. But I will say so far, Konami, the most that they've done is side events. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know if they'll ever go past that. Like the, the biggest thing that could happen is they actually announce a time wizard YCS. That would be fucking insane. And I, don't I think that's impossible. Like I don't, the, the I don't fact either. that, yeah, the fact that 3v3 YCSs exist, which is something I never would have guessed would be a thing, but it's such because, and I know that this isn't how they do the 3v3 YCS, but since the dawn of Yu-Gi-Oh, I think everybody has liked the idea of like tag duels or team duels because yeah. of like the Paradox Brothers, and then there was the the PSP games Tag Force, and tag like oh yeah, team tag team Force. duels have always been part of Yu-Gi-Oh, but they've never been actually supported in any way. So anyway, a 3v3 team YCS, even though it doesn't play under like those format, but a team YCS in general is such a cool thing and something I never thought they would have done. So I, I think it's possible that we do get a time wizard YCS one day. Yeah, I, I do too. And that's why we, uh, I think we talked about this with Joe Orlando and you uploaded a clip yeah. to the YouTube channel recently. So we're all in agreement. We want a time wizard YCS for sure. And I think that if you have a side community that's like, doing their own balance and stuff. I don't really know if that will make Konami not want to do it. Cause it's like, they don't really acknowledge a lot of things. They're not like Nintendo where Nintendo kind of will spite 
side communities and tell them like you can't have this event now you can't do this or that like konami so far even with dueling book being around for almost a decade they they really haven't gone out of their way to like cease and desist or destroy uh side communities that are Yu-Gi-Oh communities i haven't seen that happen yet so i don't know if i don't know if like deck devastator tournaments and ribbit tournaments saying these two cards are banned in addition to the actual time wizard format ban list would make it where uh konami would be so mad they're like we're not giving this this community anything else now like i don't and that and that's not what you're saying but i'm just saying that like yeah yeah if people think that that is enough of a deterrent to not touch problematic cards i think that's a silly reason to be like oh i'm in fear of the company that owns the game that they might retaliate if we acknowledge that these cards are problematic like, i think that's kind of a silly idea um but yeah i i i do think that the game for edison format is pretty healthy like overall like it's it's one of the more healthy formats you get turns uh your decision making can matter a lot of the times which is important uh you know going first is very powerful but it, i mean name a format where it pretty much isn't i, like, I just think it's cool that <clears throat> at one point this was moving in a direction where people thought it was diva hero format and then that deck died yes and now like we have Cairo here who still believes in the deck still plays it really well and i wanted to ask because you did just top like a pretty big tournament and um you top the tournament you're using heroes and uh i don't know just continuing what we're talking about like what about the diva hero deck do you think still works and like because people have abandoned it so what do you think they're missing what still works about it what you know how'd your run go i mean the thing about diva hero is first of all absolute zero is the nutty card like let's just start there he when he leaves the field he's blowing up your opponent's He's Regeki. They're monsters. Yeah, he's Regeki. So first of all, Absolute Zero is an absolute nutty card. Um, he's still good that even in actually, like, uh, you know, modern Yu-Gi-Oh, he still sees some play, too. You know, Absolute Zero is, like, a really, really, really good card. So there's that. And then secondly, um, when you think about, like, the deck's weaknesses, right? Like, deck's weaknesses are exploited games two and games three when your opponent can side against it, right? So Absolute Zero is one of the decks where... It's very difficult to side against. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you can't side against it because that's just a lie. There are definitely some cards out there that really hurt the deck. But for the most part, like, let's say you're siding DD Crow. If you pull DD Crow at the wrong time, it doesn't do anything. I already have too many heroes. I already have too many waters. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen people side Shadow Imprisoning Mirror against me. It's just like, okay, I have water monsters. I have wind monsters. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I even have earth monsters you know, games two and three, like Shadow and Prison Mirror isn't going to like make it so that I lose the game. Um, yeah. You know, same thing. I, one guy sided like Consecrated Lights against me. Like this happened in tournament in real life. Like a guy sided Consecrated Light against me and I kind of just like laughed, you know? That's a so weird like, side deck. Okay, to put it into context, in context, he, he didn't know yeah. what Kyra was playing. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> okay. In his defense, game one, he opened up absolutely fucking nutty, like quick draw, debris, like like Lone Fire, like he opened up like literally like the perfect hand, and yeah, like so he, he blew you out without knowing what you had. Yes, game one, right? And then he signed exactly. in, and I don't know why, but he signed in a very narrow card that you need yeah. to know your you need to know the matchup to sign in a card like that. Yeah, yeah there's so many decks that could just not like that's just card. Yeah, like work, you know? if you just saw a Caius and a Sega, and you're like, oh, this guy's on all darks. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, like, I do like the fact that, like, one, the boss monster is really good. Two, it's hard to side against. 
And three, because there's so many like puzzle pieces to Absolute Zero, it has a lot of outs. Like for example, Absolute, if you like playing Monarchs like Kenny, I'm playing Triple Caius. You know, we, we can play the Monarch deck. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you like like just beating down your monsters, well, here we go. We got Stratos, we got Greffer to beat them down. You know what I mean? If you like to play like uh, you know, a control style, like there's control elements to Absolute Zero as well. So it's just like Absolute Zero kind of, if you like playing synchros, like it makes all the best synchros in the game, you know? So it's just like Absolute Zero takes like the best parts of, you know, every deck of the format and puts them together nicely. You know what I mean? And, but with any deck, with any deck, and this is Absolute Zero's biggest problem, is Absolute Zero, I say all the time, it only loses to two things, okay? The first thing Absolute Zero loses to is itself. Like sometimes you draw hands and you can't play the game. You know what I mean? Like you draw double Molly, you draw like double Miracle Fusion with like no waters or no heroes. You know what I mean? Like you draw Dark Arm, Caius, Caius. It's just like there are a lot of like bad combination of cards that. Because yeah, the, the deck has a lot of combo pieces, but then some. You don't want to see, like, you don't want to see Malicious. You don't want to see, like, you don't, you definitely, I don't know if you still play Spawn Gilman, but you definitely don't want to see Spawn Gilman. Oh, um, I see that guy literally all the time. He's like my best friend. It's just like when I don't draw him, I'm just like, oh, oh, this is a pleasant surprise, you know. But I'd rather, I'd rather draw Spine Gilman every game than draw Double Molly. So, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I want to say this because I always put this into words and I like the way I put it. Uh, Diva Hero, a deck that I started out playing Edison Formula with last year because it's a deck that McCabe gave to me. I realized very quickly what was wrong with it, and it is basically what both of you are saying. It has three requirements. You need to see the water, you need to see the heroes, and you need to see the actual Miracle Fusions. And when you only see two of those three, it can really suck. And so that's one of its biggest problems where you like start to lose to yourself because there have been games that I've played with the deck. It's so frustrating. You'll see water and heroes galore and it's just flowing and you're waiting. You're like, God, please, let me just draw Miracle Fusion now. At this point... I just need Miracle Fusion. I have everything set up. I have too many waters and too many heroes for him to DD Crow me. It, nothing he can do will stop a Miracle Fusion. You just need to draw it. And you just don't draw it. And it's so frustrating when that happens. Or obviously yep. the, the other thing happens where you draw Miracle Fusion, which is really bad. And probably the worst thing that could happen because Miracle Fusion is literally dead. Whereas the water and the heroes, they are still playable, even if you don't draw Miracle Fusion. So you could you could theoretically like win games. And I'm sure both of us have like one game just drawing the deck without Miracle Fusion. But when you draw Miracle Fusion with no water or Miracle Fusion with no heroes, that is, like, infuriating. Yep. You're just missing one part, and that's kind of where, like, the gold sarks and stuff come in. Right. So I was actually going to mention that after I, uh, you know, finished answering, you know, about the weaknesses, right? Yep. But the second weakness is, you know, cards that prevent special summoning. Uh, because Absolute Zero, in Edison format, there's not a lot of special summoning going on compared to modern Yu-Gi-Oh!, Modern Yu-Gi-Oh! is special summoning left, right, left, right. Like Black Wings, they definitely special summon a lot because they have Bora, they have Gale, they have they have a lot of ways to special summon. But Absolute Zero heavily, heavily relies on special summon. So when you know you're going up against cards like Royal Oppression, Vanity's Fiend, like Fossil Dinah, like these cards are really, really problematic against uh for Absolute Zero. So like those are like definitely the two biggest weaknesses of the deck. And like the first weakness, one way you can kind of like navigate through that is through Gold Sark. And, you know, the reason why I got the idea to play Gold Sark was actually because of Frazier, you know, because first Frazier mentioned that Sean McCabe, who was playing the deck, was playing Gold Sark. And he saw a lot of success through it. I was actually playing Gold Sark actually right before then. And then Frazier mentioned it. 
But then I took Gold Tarks out of my deck. And then we were doing some playtesting. And then Frazier was like, Cairo, you're doing the wrong thing. Like, I'm not scared of your deck anymore. Like, you're relying on your deck to draw well, and you know it doesn't. And, yeah. you know, if you don't put these gold tarts back in, you're basically asking to lose. He's like, what about your deck list that you came in ninth place with at, uh, you know, the RBT? And I was like, yeah, I was playing gold Sark. And he was like, well, I don't know why you're not playing it now, because your deck's not going to do anything. You know what I will and, say? You brought up McCabe. That guy is a fucking master at deck building. I don't know how he does it. I don't know what part of his brain is different than ours and everyone else's, but like McCabe, as a lot of you know, came up with the Gravekeeper deck. And even with other, like he came up with a lot of decks throughout Yu-Gi-Oh's history. I won't get into all of them, but another one is just like Card of Demise Cosmo, if you remember that. One of me and his last tops playing Yu-Gi-Oh in 2016. He created that deck. That deck was not a deck before McCabe made it. Like literally he created another deck that was a meta deck. Like Card of Demise Cosmo became a deck because of him and it got both of us a top at rhode island in 2016 crazy to think about but even with edison format he barely plays by the way he's barely at au playing edison but him just thinking to himself okay demon hero is good what is it but it's missing something he just knew like gold sarcophagus is the card you put in this and it, and it fixes so many of the deck's problems it bridges the gap so well and i didn't realize it either even when me and Kyra were playtesting for RBET rulers, I was helping them playtest. And the first set we played was really weird because I'm playing Black Wings and he Sarks and I, I actually killed him before he got to see his card, right? Yep. So that that one game, that happened. And then the next game, I ended up winning because let's just say oppression. Word. I don't remember what happened. After that, though, we played three more sets and I got destroyed in the next three sets. And I remember distinctly distinctly what was happening because i know when i when i lose i know exactly what happened like i know exactly what went wrong and every single game it was the same thing it was gold sark at some point in his first turn and search for a card like brand control heavy storm dark armed and then wait two turns and literally establish a field that is so crazy if not outright otks me and that was happening like again three sets straight i just could not win a set like no matter what i just got destroyed for three straight sets and every single time i was like man gold sarking is ridiculous it's, it's ridiculous it's funny how good that card is because i think for a long time i mean i think now well i don't know anyway i think for a long time people didn't respect gold sark because they argued it was too slow they also said like well your opponent knows what you're getting so they can plan for it at the end of the day your opponent doesn't know the rest of your hand and also if they can't out it they can't out it and like right. you're adding a card to your hand you're adding a consistency and it's like and it's not that slow depending on the format and edison yeah. i don't think it's that slow like it's not it uh it you just get, always it, get your card it's very i opened up yeah. when shora and killed him in two turns that is like my best hand right so and you like you can search literally any card like yeah. the fact that it there's no restriction on what it searches it's i've just, actually seen cairo beat people multiple times now where he sarks out brain control and i don't know what happens to his opponents but they like play perfectly into this two turn later brain control and lose. <laughs> uh, I mean, literally the the last tournament, Deck Devastators three, there was a dragon guy who summoned five headed dragon and like had yep. a phantom of chaos on the field. And Cairo blatantly is getting brain control or had brain control already from Gold Sark. So it's like right. you know I have brain control. You just summoned a five thousand attack power monster and you have a phantom of chaos on the field. So. And your life points are below five thousand. Like I'm going, I'm going to kill you. I don't know what well, you're. Well, I'll tell you what. Cairo has a YouTube video on his channel, a true hero, where he, it, the whole video is about how most people lose Yu-Gi-Oh. Most people, most of the time, when you win Yu-Gi-Oh, you don't win because you won. You win because they lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's true. Yeah. That's but yeah, I agree case. with I agree with what you said though, Kyra. The two things that the deck loses to are itself and things like World Oppression, Vanity's Fiend, Christia, etc. That those type of things, like even Fossil Dino to a degree, but you have a couple outs for that one. Um, and you can mitigate those outs. The the strengths of the deck, though, you mentioned those, but I want to say this. This is something that I've been noticing about zombies, and I just counted your deck. I have your deck list up right here in front of me, and I just counted the number of cards that are at one in the format in Diva Hero. Oh, my God. I, it's also, go ahead. Ooh, what, what? So it's so funny. Before you tell the number, I got to tell this story. Before you tell the number. All right, go ahead. I was going against this guy on Dueling Book, and I'm not going to reveal his Dueling Book name because I don't want him to get bitter. And then, like, you know... He said, oh, you sacked me. You pulled so many one-offs. And I was like, bro, do you not know what deck I'm playing? And I just started literally listing our cards. I was like, we got Mind Control. We got Sand Game. We got MST. We got Future Fusion. We got Dark Arm. We got Plague Spreaders on me. We got Stratos. We got Rhoda. And it's just like, the list goes on and on and on. And I'm like, uh, so you're going to tell me I sacked you because I pulled one-offs. And I was like, when literally, literally, because uh, I don't know the exact number because I didn't count. I know the exact but I was like, number. literally at least half of my deck must be one-offs. He's like, oh, well, you, you know what I mean? Like, bro, like, you could have pulled from that order. I'm just like, bro, just just quit your bitching, bro. Yeah, it's at the end like, of the day, the, the zombie deck and the Diva Hero deck both play a lot of one-offs. So the exact number, before I, spoiler alert, give that out, I want to say how many are in the zombie decks. Zombies typically play anywhere from 22 to 24 one-ofs in their That's deck. Fucking crazy. <laughs> the Diva Hero deck that Cairo was playing plays 19 one-ofs, which is half of his deck. His deck is yep. 40 cards. Okay. Most most people are playing 40 cards, thank God. Uh, but the deck plays 19 one-ofs, a deck from Deck Devastator Street that he just top eight it with. So just to put it in perspective, basically half of his cards are limited to one, and they're Obviously limited to one because they're powerful cards like Dark Arm, Mind Control, Brain Control, Future Fusion, Allure, you know, you get it, like Return, all that stuff. And it is very hard. And this is something that I've been realizing about the Diva Hero deck and Zombies also. It's kind of hard to play against those decks because of how sporadic they could be. Like, they can be very uh, random in the way one game yeah. will play out compared to another game because of the one. Like, you might lose a game to Cairo's Diva Hero deck just because he drew Return. Like, Return is the card that literally, if he didn't have that one card, you would have won if he had any other card. And it was returned. The reason why those one-offs are one-offs is because like they're really strong. They can do swingy things. So like return is a swingy card. Very swingy. Might, brain control and, future. Yeah, brain like those are all really swingy cards. And so when you see them, like somebody might be like, Oh, I got sacked, right? But like you like if half of my deck is one-offs, like you didn't get that's half my deck. Like half yeah. of my deck are these half of my deck are these power cards. Like yes. And they really matter. Like the Gores and the Tragodia, uh, because of Gold Sark. Those cards pair so well with Gold Sark. You Gold Sark and you just you just wait two turns. When it, usually, Kyra likes to go full open field. Like, I'm not sending anything on the field. You have to either buy into my gores or not. And a lot of times, the scary thing is that he actually does have the gores. So it's not like <laughs> I'm just passing with open field to make you think I have gores. This motherfucker actually does have the gores on top of the fact that, you know, he could be bluffing. It's, it's some games, it's a bluff. and some games, he has it. You can't tell the difference. And that really sucks because gores is very, very powerful. It does require you to play into it, but to a degree, it's like, well, I don't want to wait two turns. So it makes your opponent get more aggro than they probably should, and that ruins you. It, it, it's, it's such a it's such a cool thing about the relationship between Gores and Gold Sarcophagus. So that's kind of what I'm getting at there. But yeah, the deck plays 19 one-ofs, and that is that is just annoying. Again, like three Caius is also very good. Caius is basically 
it is the most played card in Edison. It is a lot of times categorized as like the best card in Edison, but I don't think people mean that literally uh, because that's just brain control. But like Caius is the most played card in Edison. It's the most popular card in Edison. And if you look at any tournament, if you take every single deck list from every single tournament and just add up the number of Caius, it is going to be the number one card. Uh, and I think Keegan and a couple other channels have actually done that statistic for us. Yeah. So we know that. Is that, an un- that. is that an unfair thing though? Because like, Caius, you can't you can't play three brain control. Like my question is, every deck that has Caius in it, does that deck not also just have brain control? Uh, every deck pretty much has brain control, no matter what. Yeah, so like it's because I'd argue that like brain control is just as played as Caius, just that you can't play three of them. I agree. Like the, you I know agree. what I'm saying? Like, but, yeah, you can have three, so it raises the number of yes. actual Caiuses. But yes, that's why I use two distinct things. I said one of them yeah. is the most popular card and most played, but then some people like to call it the best card, which I don't think is real to say Caius is the best card because, like, first of all, that's just discredits every card limited to one. And Konami does know what they're doing limiting cards to one. Like, some of the cards that are at one are at one because they are fucking ridiculous. Like, if Dark Arm was at three in Edison format, it'd be called Dad format too. Yep. It would be dad format too if Dark Arm was at three. So like, let's not get crazy here. And Dark Arm is way better than Kai's. It's not even slightly close. It's not even a little bit close. So like, obviously, yeah. But I just had to make the distinction between popular and best or whatever. Uh, and, you know, people can debate what the best card is. Some people think it's this or that. I don't really care. Uh, you could be delusional if you want to. It's brain control. And it's, it's really just not even... And it's just scary. I was watching a couple videos of Deck Devastators 3 and people who topped or whatever. And a lot of the replays, a lot of the games, winning or losing, were just brain control. Like the whole game summed up to at the end of it, when the game concluded, the last card that was played was brain control. When the game ended before the admit defeat thing came up, brain control was the last card played. And like, I, I hate throwing out random statistics, but I'm gonna just throw out a random statistic. At least 70% of the games, brain control on the winner or loser side was the last thing played. It's so obnoxious. It's so I mean- fucking obnoxious. Two things on that note, right? One thing we have the game that you were just, you know, mentioning earlier, where I was going yes. against the five-headed dragon player, and I won because of brain control. But that scenario, he played into it, right? He blatantly played into it. You, yeah. He knew you had it, right? But then the reason why my tournament run came to an end actually is because of brain control. Oh shit! At the end, I was going against frogs, and like she didn't have anything. I had vanities up on board, and you know, frogs and oh, vanities, like good luck. Yeah. She only had like uh, one or two cards in her hand. And she just plays brain control. And I'm like, yep, that's it. Yeah, it's really, yeah. it steals a lot of games. It's very, 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 very powerful card. Uh, you could argue that it's a necessary evil too. Like I, I say that almost every board yeah. is breakable because of brain control, which so, is kind of- it's, so, it's funny that you mentioned that, right? Because that gets into why, like, don't get me wrong. I fucking hate brain control. Yeah. Uh, and we had this discussion long time ago, right? Long time ago. I hate brain control. I hate Royal Pressure more, but I, I hate brain control. Yeah. But it's just like, I do think that it's only because of the nature of the deck that I play. But I do think that it's just like you said, brain control, like everyone's playing it. It's definitely over centralized. It's really powerful. The cost is irrelevant. You're always going to have 800. Yep. And if you don't, you're doing something wrong. But like, I just think it's a necessary evil because there are some boards that can only be broken because of brain control. Yep. And it's just like, it does suck losing the brain control. Like, I hate the fact that I lost, you know, the tournament because of brain control. But it's just like, I wouldn't want to edit Edison format to take out Dutch shoot or to take out brain control. It's just like, I'd rather just deal with those problems. But that's just me personally. Well, you know what? The good thing is, because I'm a firm believer in adaptation uh, to a degree, right? Because it gets to a point where like, okay, yeah, the community can adapt or 
something is just too overtuned that it does need to be dealt with. Like obviously Meta Knight and Brawl, <laughs> Bayonetta and Smash Four, and th- you know there's other things like that. Apparently there was some Tekken character named Leroy or something like that that was absolutely fucking unreal. Oh, yeah. Android so twenty. Android yeah, twenty one. <laughs> Android twenty one is it from Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighters was specifically the, the human. Specifically, the, the, the human, hu- the human la- lab coat. They call her lab coat. She was the best character in that game's entire history, and nothing has ever been close. Not Ultra Instinct Goku, not Brawly, nothing. There's never been a character. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kenny, but nothing has ever even been close to lab coat in terms of just how ridiculous of a character she was. I mean, she's pretty nuts. It's it's weird. I something I want every game to have. Street Fighter Four had this amazing thing called Edition Select at the end of its life. And Edition Select, because Street Fighter Four had all, it had Street Fighter Four, Super Street Fighter Four, Super Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition, and then right. like version 2012, uh, and then already, Ultra like Street Fighter Four. Like and it. Edition Select allowed you to pick Chun Li and then pick which version of Street Fighter Four she was. So you could play like original Sagat. Which was like absurdly good. Oh and you can play God. against that like was my character because I'm you know I'm yeah. a cheese lord. But that so you was can play my original Street Fighter Four Sagat, and you could verse like Super Street Fighter Four Barog or like Ultra Street Fighter Four Valento, right? Right. It's one of the most amazing modes in any fighting game ever. So anyway, I wish more games did this. So to answer your question about Labco, it's it's interesting because I would love to actually see the truth. Like I would love to see season two GT Goku and season one Android sixteen. And fucking uh, pre-patch Ultra Instinct and like all these guys fighting to see if Labco truly is the best. But what Labco does is argument for the best just strictly on the fact that she has a move that when it hits you, it nerfs your damage, I think, by 21%. That's exactly Forever. Forever. Like it it never wears off. Like she she can die and forever you still are nerfed by 21%. It turns so many like two touch scenarios into like three, four, five touch scenarios. Like it, it yeah. makes you so and much worse. On top of that, she has the best frame data in the game. Her frame data is insane. Her supers are really fucking good. Like her buttons are really good. She has like she just has like really she has insane the best, buttons. She has the best mix like, up because yeah. she has a command grab and like there's just a lot. So the character I don't play DBZ fighters at all. I've never played a game in my life. But what I did do. Because I just find certain things interesting. I went on YouTube with Gary one day because we were talking about it. And Gary was explaining to me, like, she's ridiculous. And I, I said, all right, I, I trust you, but I just want to do my own research. So we sat down and started watching YouTube videos of the best players and some of the best content creators for DBZ Fighters just doing videos on Android 21 Lab Coat. And they were explaining and doing gameplay, like, as examples. They were explaining, like, why in any fighting game this move being one frame would be absolutely not okay. Like mm-hmm. they were just like yep. this move, like this nerfing someone's damage. Like Kenny said tw- by 21% for the entire game, no matter what happens to the character, nerfing their damage. They can't by switch out. They can't kill you. Like it doesn't matter. Like, like the frame data, the fucking move set, everything about the character just scream like this is super not okay. And the game has had other characters like ultra instant Goku before he got nerfed. Uh, he was really ridiculous with his counters and stuff like that. But yeah, the, these there are things that no matter what, uh, adapting is, asking people to adapt is ignorant. It's kind of like, that's just not practical. Like you're asking it, people to do something that is not practical. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I overall like favor the side of like adapt 
because yeah, I've seen it happen. I've seen it so many happen in so many games, right? But there are some times where it's like something so cancer or toxic. Like for example, even UI Goku, where people really hated him and like hated a lot of things he did. I found him fun to play against because like he was frustrating, but like when you beat him and like when you got him to commit to like some kind of counter and you and then you essentially punished it. It was it was interesting and it was fun. The thing that's really like the 21% thing is the one that I hated the most. That's so frustrating about Android 21 is like there's a mechanic in the game called like limit break where you're down to your last character, you deal more damage, and it's a way for you to make a comeback. Because one versus three, it's like if you have no assist and they still have two assists, like you probably can't win. But limit break made it so that like, you can make real comebacks, etc. If you saved your sparking, like blah blah blah. But Android 21 will make it so that it's it becomes literally impossible. Like yeah. your last character can't win. The rest of this, the rest of this game is a formality. But before, like you could make a a one v three comeback, and with her, it's like, yeah, <laughs> luck. yeah. Good so luck. I, I like that. Uh, what's happening right now is that I did a video on this on the YouTube channel, and I'm their podcast YouTube channel about Book of Moon and DD War Lady. But more of it was about Book of Moon and how. Six out of eight decks in top eight of Deck Devastators 3 were playing Book of Moon. Uh, a lot of them were playing three somewhere in their 45 card or 55 cards, rather. A lot of them were playing three. So they either played three in the main deck or play one in the main deck inside of two or some combination of that. But Book of Moon is one of the only answers in a format outside of Solemn Judgment, which is a one of. Uh, it's one of the only answers in a format that you could play three of so you could reliably see it in 40 per- 40% of your opening hands. Anything you play three of in a 40 card deck you have a 40% chance of opening it essentially. So uh, it's like 39.6, I think. So you basically have a 40% chance of having a card in your opening that can actually stop brain control and, and book a moon. And that is really good. So now a lot of people play book a moon and it does help against brain control. It makes it not guaranteed that this shit is going through because I'm going to be honest with you. I've been playing Edison format for like a year. And a lot of the time when I have brain control in my hand, I just assume it's going through. Like I don't assume mm. that it's going right. to get that the target that I, use it on is going to get uh book of moon because it wasn't really a thing until very recently where that car is just like everywhere and now when you brain control somebody they might book a moon it and sure like a lot of monsters have shitty defense but depending on the situation it could be really good like they brain control your pyramid turtle because they're trying to take it and tribute it so it doesn't get its effect book of mooning a pyramid turtle is actually really annoying and good for you because now your opponent yep. gets no value they paid 800 and your pyramid turtle is still there and in defense mode and it's a recruiter, so there's like a lot of good things about it. Obviously, if you brain control your Caius, it kind of sucks because Caius has a thousand defense. So even though they might not necessarily kill you that turn with the Caius like they intended to do, it's like, okay, he's probably just going to die, though, like the Caius itself. But it's still better than you dying that turn or whatever. And yeah, just just kind of wanted to say that. So people are, for the, in, in a way, people are adapting. I don't necessarily think that it's just because of brain control that people are playing three Book of Moons, but it is a perk of Book of Moon being played the way it is right now that it dodges it and it will, you know, prevent you from losing games to the most problematic card in the format. Okay. Yep. So, so Cairo, uh, do you want to talk about your tournament experience for Deck Devastators 3? Because one of the things that people probably don't know, I don't know if you said this on your channel, you weren't even going to play in the tournament. And <laughs> this is, a, this yeah, is actually but- a thing about you living in Korea. Every tournament that you play in, or Edison format is always going to be at some really shitty time for you because you're in a different day. Like right now we're recording this episode on Sunday, but where Cairo lives in Korea, it is literally Monday morning for him. 
So it's, right. yeah, it's Sunday night right now where we're at. Yes, we're in two different days. So when Cairo plays in RBETs or deck devastated tournaments, it's at like 4 a.m. his time. So he's usually sleep deprived, uh, t- like just really tired and fatigued and stuff like that. Want to go to bed. Might have work the next day if it's day two, yep. which in the case this, yep. that happened with deck devastators. Um, th- not that it's not like we're johnning about it or talking about it in that way, but it just it is something to consider that in order for you to play in any tournament because of where you live, it's always going to be at a really shitty time of day. Uh, so I just want you to kind of tell people your experience yeah, so- for this. It's it's pretty funny because, uh, of course, you know, like you said, I like to win, blah, 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 blah. But another thing about Yu-Gi-Oh! that I like is, like, the, the team aspect of it, right? Like, yeah. playing in tournaments with your friends. And even though, like, it's online, like, we still come together and, like, oh, like, how was your round? How did you do? You know, like, and that's fun to me. Like, oh, like, yeah. I got sacked. Or, oh, like, yeah. I won the round. Like, oh, like, how did you win? Like, I love just, like talking about Yu-Gi-Oh with my friends and all of us trying to advance and all of us trying to win. Like, oh, I hope I see you in the finals, like things like this, right? So I remember that day of the Edison event, right? So like I signed up last minute because I was just like, well, just in case, just in case. So I signed up last minute. And then like the day of the event, like I asked everyone, like Gary, Luke, you, like everyone, like I was like, hey, like are any of you guys playing in the tournament? And everyone was like, no, I'm good. And I think you were going to see a movie that day. Yeah, so it's just I had like, scheduled a movie and I had to go. I had a whole bunch of shit planned that day. I had a date. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to cancel all my plans because I made those plans before I even knew about this tournament. Um, yeah. So I was like, I'm so not for playing. me, it wasn't even like kind of it wasn't worth it. Basically, it wasn't worth it because it's like if my friends aren't going to be there, it's like, you know, by my side, then like, what's the point? And like, you know. Like you said, it's really late at night for me. It's like it starts at 2 a.m. And like I had company over, too. So it was just like, ah, oh, it's just like I don't want to you know, distract my company. And it's yeah. just like it's just like it wasn't worth playing it. Well, you know, I said this. I was like, all right, I already signed up. I'm going to play the first round. And I was like, if I lose the first round, yeah, I'm going, I'm to, going to bed. Yeah. yeah, like I was like, I'm not going like, to try this out. Like, oh, maybe I can get like X2 or something like that. Nope. I was like, no. Like, I'm literally just going to just go to bed. And, like, I was like, all right. And I played the first round, and I won. And I played the second round, and I won. And I played the third round, and I lost. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to bed early tonight. And then after that, I didn't lose anymore. Like, I actually, I came first place in Swiss. So I went, like, uh, like seven or eight and one, right? So the only round that I lost in Swiss was against uh, Ragnarok Frogs. And, like, I didn't get to play the game. Uh, for those of you guys who are curious about what happened, basically, he just dropped Double Christian on me, and it was just like, yeah, it was a non-game. But anyway, um, so I was like, wow, this actually worked out, like, really, really, really well. And then the problem was, at the end of day one, I was like five or six and one. I don't know the exact amount of rounds. And it was like, well, now I'm facing the problem that you just mentioned, where it's like, now I got to wake up again. So I'm already sleep-deprived, because you know when you wake up really late, like, you want to go to bed, like, let's say, like, the tournament's over at 8 a.m. You want to go to bed, but, like, you can't because there's daylight all around you. So, yeah. like, during that day, I tried to go to bed because I knew I had day two, but, like, I couldn't. I couldn't sleep because it was too much light outside. And, like I said, I had a company, so I had to spend time with my company. And then, like, now, the next day I have work, but I also have the tournament happening at 2 a.m. again. So now I'm, like, super sleep-deprived because I didn't sleep last night, the prior night, and it's just like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling like the best. And, you know, 
So I, I made it since I was first in Swiss. I got a round one buy uh, for the top eight cut. Um, I mean, well, I played out day two and I, I won the rest. But then after that, like I had the top eight and um, had a round one buy. And then the next round, like, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of like the sleep deprivation, like finally caught up to me because definitely like in hindsight, hindsight being 2020, even the game that I lost to brain control, it could have been prevented. Like it could have been mm-hmm. prevented because her final play was to summon a swamp frog in defense. And like, if you're doing that, you don't have gores. You know what I mean? Like you want your opponent to like run into you. Like you don't have gores. And her life points were under 23, right? So I had a way where I could have made Bionic and it's like, I didn't make it. And like, I don't know, maybe I thought Vanny's was better. Maybe I was tired, whatever. But like, you know, I wound up losing uh, to summoning Vanity's Fiend and outed in the brain control. But like these tournaments are like really taxing on me. But it's like, at the end of the day, if you love something, you're not going to care if you have to wake up at like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Like you're just going to do it. You know what I mean? Yep. There's people who wake up at 2, 3 a.m. to like go to the gym and work out. And it's like, that's the only time that they have. They work up at 5 or 6 a.m. because like they know they're going to be busy the rest of the day. And it's like, this something that you said like kind of spoke to me. And it wasn't about Yu-Gi-Oh! It was about like uh, like DC, right? Because yeah. also like, you know, I love playing DC. And then Frazier, you basically said like, you know, you're not competitive in DC. And I hate being told that I'm not competitive in something because you know how much I like to win. And then you basically like, well, you don't go to tournaments. And like you listed the reasons, right? And yeah. one of the reasons was we like, a real, this is a really big argument, like a real argument that me and Cairo had uh, years ago now. But we have, like, I have a group chat that doesn't include him and it has uh, everyone else in our friend group who we play in like these, we used to anyway, because it's done now. But we play in this overcar game. And all of the people who play in the tournaments and like test with us all the time, they're all in the group chat. And Cairo wanted to be in the group chat. And I was like, well, no, this group chat is literally called the competitive group chat. There's a group chat where it's just all of our friends and we play in that group chat, whatever. But this one is called competitive. And like he said, I listed the reasons of why he's not in that group chat and why he shouldn't be added to that group chat either, because you're not doing those things. And I know because Cairo, like I said, he's the person next to me who I think wants to win the most. So like that being told you're not competitive fucking hurts. Like, it's like, oh, that is like one of the worst things you could hear as someone who is a competitive person in nature, but because of where he, and it's really because of just the Korea thing. Like, it's not even his fault. I know if he lived in the States and was on our time, when a tournament is happening here at 12 p.m. or 1 p.m., which is literally like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. for him, he would be playing in it, but because he literally cannot, due to the time zone differences and all that stuff, is like, yeah, unfortunately you can't do this, but if you really wanted to, <laughs> and that's kind of what you were speaking to, if you really wanted to, some people get up, you know, crazy times to go to the gym or do what they want. Yeah. Uh, but- so basically when it came to Yu-Gi-Oh, especially because Yu-Gi-Oh obviously is way more important to me than DC, Not I was like, well, close. I'm going to play. Like, I don't care if I have to wake up early, like, I'm going to play. Yeah. And it's just like, it sucked also that my friends didn't join me, but it was like, I'm going to play. Like, if I'm not doing anything, like, I'm going to play. I'm so I played. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad I did, too. I'm glad I did, too. So I played, and I did I did really well. And, um, you know, I'm happy with how everything turned out. It's just, like, it does suck because, like, you know, definitely congratulations to Carpath for winning the event. But I definitely think, like, I had a shot at legitimately winning the event. Like, Let me say this. Let me, let me do this as a friend. Cairo, you need to buy some blackout blinds. <laughs> gotta buy some blackout blinds, and then that way when you you play in the middle of the night, and if you gotta take a nap in the morning, you fucking bring those blinds down, and then your house just looks like nighttime. Does that work, Kenny? Yes, blackout blinds are the shit, man. They okay. are awesome. Like at uh at Ant's house, 
uh, our friend Ant's been on the podcast a bunch. Um, I used to be, I used to go to his house probably every other month in New York. I would get on a, a bus and I'd go to his house like every other month because we'd stream together and we'd do random shit. After COVID, I stopped doing that. But anyway, I used to go to his house like every month and I used to um every other month. And for a, a point in time, like we'd be playing games or whatever, streaming, and I couldn't see the TV because uh, there would be a glare. And I'm like, dude, we got to do something about this. And then anyway, I got him to buy blackout blinds and he put them up and you put those blinds down in the middle of the afternoon. Like it is nighttime in your, in your, like it is dark and no glare on the TV. You could easily go to sleep. Even if like through a crack on the side, a little bit of light bleeds through, like it is definitely dark in the house or the room or wherever you're at. Blackout blinds are the shit. And if for whatever reason you need to take a nap during the day, uh, I highly suggest buying them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I might invest in that because the first RBT that I topped, well, got knife anyway, I remember because RBT runs a little bit differently than deck devastators, right? RBT, like you can just play all your matches, like because you already know who you're playing against. So it's like you just play all your matches. So it got to the point in like the RBT where it's like I was so far ahead in the bracket, I had to wait like hours basically for my next opponent. opponent. And it's just like at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, if you're not constantly doing something, you're yeah, going to fall yeah. asleep. So well, it's just know, like, you know what you really yeah, need to invest on. in? You need to invest in a fucking return plan to the United States. <laughs> fuck these blinds. You need to just move back to, you know, this is a bullet point that I actually have on my screen right now for this conversation, but I really want Cairo to move back to the United States. I, I mean, don't we care. all want that. But I even really, if he moves back to the U.S., he still needs to black out blinds, man. They're, they're top tier. I mean, be that as it may, he won't need them for Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments specifically all the time because he'll just be on the same time as most of the tournaments. Uh, and that is just... Like, I just want to have my competitive friend near me because I I think that me and Cairo could do a lot of damage if... Like, I don't have it... Like, right now, the person who plays Yu-Gi-Oh! with me the most is Stango. And Stango literally started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! at the beginning of the pandemic. So Stango is about two and a half, three years old in Yu-Gi-Oh! Max, like, of his entire life. He's been playing a game for two and a half to three years max, okay? So he's not on the level of, like, upper echelon, able to, you know, the, some of the concepts and stuff like that and the experience that you need to be where I'm at and where Cairo is. It's going to take more time, and it's frustrating for me because I would like to have someone as competitive as me playing Edison. Like I said, McCabe doesn't actually play Edison that much, um, he's just a brilliant deck builder and he's also very good technical skill and stuff like that. But he doesn't play that much because he has like his own life stuff going on. Silverman prefers to play modern, apparently. He's currently trying to win another 3v3 YCS as we speak. Mm. And Luke Feeney, as brilliant as he is, he doesn't even like playing Edison format because he likes to play these bullshit decks like Macro Monarchs and stuff. When I'm like, bro, there are 28 deck lists that I did on my tier list. I did a I did a tier list on 28 different types of decks. You played none of them. Like yeah. you could just play <laughs> like even some decks that are in C tier or whatever. You're choosing. You're choosing to have a bad time. Like you are making a conscious decision to have a bad time. You're like, oh, format's kind of shit. Blah blah. I'm like, the format is shit because you play shit. It's not shit because like the format is shit. You I are listed choosing 28 to... decks at least that are better than yours. And you play you know, one of them. It's funny. It's funny that you mentioned Luke because everyone knows, at least in our friend group, knows that Luke is cracked at card games. He's, He's really, really good really at them. And like one of the reasons why, and I spoke to Luke about this a long time ago. One of the reasons why he stopped playing Edison was because. Black Wings were just rampant. They were yeah, everywhere. Just but now that the format's, you know, I'm not going to say it's soft, but now that the format's evolving and Black Wings aren't, you know, as dominant as they were, I do think it's a good opportunity for Luke to, like, 
get back in the fray and like play again because no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, yeah, like, I don't have a competitive Edison friend right now, and it kind of sucks because I usually have one person who's also as competitive as me, and then what we'll do is kind of like bounce off of each other to get better and to like come up with ideas and stuff like that, and that doesn't exist right now. Like McCabe, my McCabe is gone, Luke is bullshitting, so it's just like if Cairo was here, I would at least have Cairo as that person but i'm just kind of out here doing it all on my own like god damn it this is annoying yeah yeah i mean i definitely know what you mean and like i hate that feeling because at the end of the day you got you have to rely on yourself but it's just so much easier when you have someone a yeah. team people like you can bounce Listen, ideas off i had to tell Cairo, put them fucking gold sarks back in put them fucking gold sarks yeah. back in nigga that's right put them gold that's sarks right back in. That, that's right and i listened and i fucking listened and, right? it, and it has done you well you were you finished first in swiss which is honestly in my entire Yu-Gi-Oh life i think i've only done that three well two times at majors and a, 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 a lot of times at regionals but at majors it's really really hard to finish first in swiss like that is fucking very very difficult so the fact that you did that that's a huge accomplishment like first in swiss is insane yeah yeah it definitely uh definitely wasn't easy and like you know there were some games where my opponents opened up fucking the nuts the craziest game that i played your future fusion guy was definitely one of them like yes that's what i was about to say the craziest game that i played game one the guy goes play future fusion and i'm like here we go again. And then he starts sending dragons. I'm like, well, of course. But he doesn't start sending, like, you know, the traditional dragons, right? He starts sending the dragons that are specifically played in Hopeless Dragon, like, i.e. Dark Horse. And I'm just like, come the fuck on. So I was like, this guy has uh, Neuralis too. And then he, like, summons Phantom of Chaos. And I'm like, yup. And then he goes, card destruction, sends a Neuralis to the grave. And I'm like, yup. And then... He card destructions into a fucking gold Sark and he gold starts for Dark Creator. So I'm like, this guy literally had the perfect fucking opening. He has a fucking five head that he has basically, well, I mean, his field's going to get blown up. But the point is, his graveyard is all set up. He has Dark Creator coming in two turns and he Neuralis me. Literally the best yeah, fucking opening. If I could pick my hand every game, it would basically be what you just said. Yeah. And he still lost that game. But yeah. like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, my opponents open up fucking nutty some games. And I was just like, all right, well, here we go. Yeah, so. it'd, be, it'd be like that sometimes. And, and sometimes you still fight through it. And those games feel better than anything else. Oh, I felt I felt great when I won that game. I felt so fucking good when I won that game. But it's just like, yeah, I mean, and I did it without the help of brain control. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. I mean, he took all your cards. Yeah, he took, he took all of them. He took all of them. <laughs> I have no cards. You know? I would like some, but I have none. I want to ask real quick because I I've, I was hearing that uh you know you're playing you play Diva here I was hearing people were saying that Return from a Different Dimension is a bad card in that deck oh, and people yeah. were saying can it be I want to oh, be reading the group chat I want to I want to I want to hear about this because you know I've been hearing that there's you know people that play Diva Hero or experiment with the deck and they're and they're saying that like I don't know why this a true hero fella I don't know why he played uh Return from a Different Dimension right. well Penguin Soldier it's next. so funny it's so funny because a lot of cards return from a different dimension penguin soldier etc a lot of these cards that i played in my deck i addressed their utility and their purpose in the deck in my youtube video but like mm-hmm. me i guess not everybody watched it but well no hold on. wait a second i did watch it but i'm going to talk about it again uh for anybody that 
is watching the podcast, but also to plug the YouTube channel again, a true hero. Go check it out. It's a good YouTube channel. His Thank most you, video is called X Saber's going to give it to you. And the, the, channel, <laughs> the channel will be tagged. A link to the channel will be tagged in the description of this video uh, of this podcast anyway. So, yeah. So as for return, first of all, let's think about the format. Let's think about cards that are at one and cards that are banned. Call a haunted one monster reborn banned. Mm. So these cards, essentially, they get monsters off the graveyard. Return from the dimension, return from a different dimension, essentially does the same thing, right? It's a, except for inside of the graveyard, you get it from the banished zone. And Call of Haunted gets one card. Mm. Monster Born gets one card. Return from a different dimension can get fucking five. <laughs> right? Like, that alone should be convincing enough as to why like, you should be playing it in your like, deck. Would yeah. you play a card that said, play this one card and summon five? Would you play that card? <laughs> And and it's just like the cost is irrelevant because you're always going to have half your life points. You know what I mean? You're always going to be able to activate return. It's always going to be, you know, the only time when it's dead is when you don't have cards in the banish zone. And in a deck like Absolute Zero, it's very easy to banish cards. It's You can banish them with cards like Miracle Fusion, obviously. Malicious banishes itself. Plague banishes itself. Mm-hmm. And there's even been some games where it's like I can go Gold Sark. I could go gold Tark for a plague and then I can return it. I can go yep. allure. I could go allure. And allure of darkness makes it so that every single dark monster in the deck, except for Dark Arm Dragon, can at some point come back into the field again because of return. Allure Caius, return it. Allure Malicious, return it. It's just like another thing too. You also also still have Dark Arm Dragon. So you can yes. bring back the cards he uses. And on, yes. Go ahead, Kenny, go what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, on top of all of that. You have your opponent's DD Crows. There you go. I was going to say on top of all of that, you have your opponent's D prisons and bottomless trap holes and Caius's that are also furthering your return from different dimensions. So to me, that is one of the best trap cards, not only in Edison format, but in the game. Like Return is just, it, there's a format called Dad Return. Like it's, mm-hmm. it has its own format. Return has its own format. He got his own money, if you know, coming mm-hmm. to America. But yeah, Return yeah. Return is really that card. And I don't think there's a world where I wouldn't play it. There are games in Duck Devastators 3, if people watched a YouTube video that Cairo did, uh, your replays, there were games where Return was the reason why you won the game. It's that yep. powerful. Like, literally, the game came down to, all right, I've, I've made you use all of your resources. We both have very few cards or none, and I'm just going to activate Return. They just scoop. So, yeah, Return's, return's ridiculous. It is a game-stealing card, a game-winning card, it, it could defend your life points randomly. Obviously, that's yep. like the worst case scenario, but you never know what could happen. Like you might be able Listen, to come back. After half your life yourself. points is better than zero. It is. That's right. That's right. I even said, I even said in my YouTube video, I was like, if there's only one trap card I could play, it would be return. Like it's oh, just, it's it's just that card. It's yeah. that card. It's really I'd rather have return over Mirror Force, Torrential, Dust Shoot. I'd rather have return. Like give me fucking return. Oh, faithful. Yes, because right, I know about, if I resolve this card, it's over. The game is over. What about this penguin soldier? What happened with that? Were you were you sleep deprived, uh, King? <laughs> were you suffering? Oh uh, man, fuck that! I still think penguin soldier is sick. When I saw that in his deck list, I was like, hell yeah! <laughs> so the thing about penguin soldier, right, is for those of you, all, my close friends know I'm always trying out like yeah. different tech cards and tech of the week. I'm always there was one point I was running exchange like oh, like. <laughs> <laughs> there was one point where you were putting travelers through an ordeal. Listen, listen, I'm still a firm believer in ordeal. Okay. I, I, I am new. Given up all hope for that card. I right? am too. That card's great. 
Yes, I do, I do think the card's great. And, like, it might come up, like, in a future tournament or something like that. But it, it always, you know, depends on the current state of the meta. The problem is, right now, with Monarchs being, like, so crazy, you don't want Ordeal in mm-hmm. your deck. You don't want Ordeal or Monarch, and, like, it's always a card for a Monarch to hit, like... But anyway, this isn't about Ordeal. This is about Penguin Soldier. So, as far as Penguin Soldier goes, I had a lot of reasons as to why I put it in. Um, one, it's Water Monster, so let's start there. And if you look at my list, I do not play uh, Snowman Eater, Okay. So I don't play Snowman Eater, and I was like, well, I might need an additional Water Monster. And Snowman Eater's a great card. He's a great card. 1,900 defense, hard to beat over. Like, he walls a lot of the format. You know what I mean? Um, But the problem is, is after you flip him up, other than being a wall, I mean, he's also tribute fodder for Caius. He doesn't really do much. He doesn't really, you know, lead into an offensive game state. But Penguin Soldier can be both defensive and offensive, right? He could be defensive because, one, he, he returns two of your opponent's cards. And he can be offensive because a lot of times opponents don't really swarm the field with monsters. So when you're returning two of your opponent's cards, now you're in an offensive position because you can just attack them directly. And also, Penguin Soldier outs a lot of problematic cards. If there's a Synchro, goodbye. If there's a Fusion, goodbye. You know what I mean? And he's just an easy requirement all you do is just you set him he's low commitment so i was like okay penguin soldier could have a lot of versatility in this format so uh let me try him out and the thing that i've noticed is penguin soldier is only good in theory you know despite yeah, it's all so weird because ben- on paper i was arguing on paper what it can do and all the things I said, I was like, these are all valid things, right? Like, bouncing two synchros, people often go Stardust with another monster that's a synchro. Uh, like you said, fusion monsters. There's cases where Fossil Dino wouldn't cut it because your opponent happened to summon Stardust, and so yep. that just doesn't do anything in that case. Uh, but Penguin Soldier doesn't destroy, it bounces, and it could even be used on your own card. So I was like, imagine yep. you summon Stratos, and then you flip Penguin Soldier, and then bounce your Stratos and bounce there. Like, I was coming up with all of these plays, but like you said, it's only in theory. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 similar to like Call of the Haunted, right? Because I tested so many variants of Diva Hero, and like I tested out Call of the Haunted, and like in theory, Call of the Haunted sounds so good. Yep. You call a Haunted Stratos, you call a Haunted Card Trooper, you call a Haunted a Tuner, but then it just like it doesn't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, and we tested know? me and you specifically tested that card out, and it was awful. Like it just yes. somehow it just wasn't doing. Now it's crazy because. And a deck that's very similar, plays 20 plus one of just like yours, uh, it happens to be ridiculous in zombies. Like, it's absolutely yep. insane, but it really is because Goblin Zombie is just that ridiculous of a card. But you don't have you don't have a Goblin Zombie equivalent that unlocks yep. your entire deck. That's right. So That's exactly right. Yeah, so anyway, so Penguin Soldier, uh, you know, I tested him out, and I didn't get a chance to, like, thoroughly test penguin soldier out with my friends or else i would have known for the tournament don't fucking play that card yeah you know what would you uh, and like though? i said the decision like, to enter in the tournament was also last minute so i was just like you know what fuck it we'll, we'll just get there and if you watch a lot of like i have the whole tournament run uploaded on the channel right if you watch it i can only recall literally one game literally one game where i pulled penguin soldier only one game and that one game where i pulled it it was against uh karina and so it was the top eight match and she's playing Monarchs. So like we're doing, we're in a game state where it's draw pass. None of us are committing anything to the field. And like, I love that play style because absolute zero could just kill you out of nowhere. So we're just drawing passing. And then I draw for turn. I draw a penguin soldier. 
And I'm like, hmm, okay, I will set this Penguin Soldier, and then next turn I'm going to you know make some plays. And as soon as I set Penguin Soldier on the field, that's exactly what Karina wanted me to do. She wanted me to commit a card to the field that way she could do her Monarch plays. And then she goes, end phase, activate Scapegoat. And then on her turn, she goes, summon Substitute. And then like she just fucking goes the fuck off like it just it gets really really bad and long story short the penguin soldier wound up not resolving like i never even got to see its effect that one game that i drew it and Mm. all the other games like games two and game three for literally every game two and game three sided it out that's why no other opponent except for karina saw penguin soldier i sided that shit out every single game because at the end of the day even though penguin soldier was nice in theory it's just like if i'm going against quick draw would i rather have a dd crow or would i rather have a penguin soldier i'd rather have a fucking dd crow you know what i mean yeah. if i'm going against uh i don't know monarchs would i rather have a fossil dino or would i rather have a I was gonna say, you definitely don't want penguin soldier against monarchs like us. yeah sure exactly. not, you can put my monarchs back on my hand thank you yeah and it's like the problem with diva hero this is a, a another kind of i guess weakness is like there are cards you have to play. You cannot yeah. side those cards out because you need to keep your heroes in. You need to keep your waters in because the deck already struggles with sometimes not having enough heroes, not having enough waters. If you side those cards out, then you're making your deck more inconsistent. And also, you can't side out Miracle Fusion because if you side out Miracle Fusion, you're literally siding out the best card in your deck. So it's like there are so so many cards that absolutely have to stay in the deck. So it's just like there's very, you know, few room that you have like for cards to take out. So it's like all this into consideration. It's just like, well, Penguin Soldier, you didn't make the cut. There are yeah. cards that I'd rather have over than you. So like every game two and game three, like I sided Penguin Soldier out. And like Penguin Soldier, he's not beating over anything. I'm not going to summon and go on an offensive, you know, slot with him. So it's just like he just was only good in theory. And like I, I will stand by this cool tech card and like i'm happy to all the people say oh kyle you're so cool for playing penguin soldier don't fucking play that card like if you want to win like just, just don't play that card <laughs> and like i was watching because i watch all of uh you guys youtube videos I, I watch them all and like one of the youtube videos um about the tournament there was a guy on your channel that basically said i never thought i'd see the day where i'd have penguin soldier in my tcg card and i was just like that day hasn't come that day hasn't come why are you fucking putting that shit in your TCG card? Like, I'm not trying to fucking troll. Like, that card literally could have been a fucking Cloudian monster. It could have been any fucking card. It could have been fucking, like, a random fucking Arcana Force monster. Oh just to prove to you, like, not it was just a dead card. Not it was a really fool. cool card. Everything it does is really cool in theory. But at the end of the day, you're not playing it again. So people that are looking at the top eight deck list and, like, holy shit, this guy made it really far with Diva Heroes, Penguin Soldiers in this deck... You're saying like Penguin Soldier is not what got you there. Like, don't buy it. It's don't don't include that in the deck list. Yep. Yep. So uh you know. okay. So what would you play instead of Penguin Soldier? I asked this like randomly in passing about 10 minutes ago. And I don't know if oh, I'm sorry if I missed that, but no, basically I, you, were, you were talking, it's fine. Uh tomato. 100 percent mystic tomato. Okay. I mean, because this is why, right? Uh Penguin Soldier, he's not a warder, he's not a hero, but he gives you access to both. Yes. One, um, hero, he could search out Malicious, and he could search out Infernal Prodigy if needed. And two, he could search out Sangan, and Sangan searches out a water. So Mystic Tomato essentially searches out both a hero and a water. And also, you know, this doesn't happen often because I mentioned before in one of my YouTube videos, like, unless absolutely necessary, good players don't attack face-down monsters. 
because nothing goes right when you attack a face down monster unless mm. it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. And like, if you attack a tomato, let's say I have a tuner in my hand. Let's say I have Diva or like my, uh, uh, Plague in my hand, right? And I have just tomato set. If you attack tomato and I get malicious, next turn you're fucked. That is two level eight synchros that's coming down your way just because you attacked the fucking tomato. Summon Plague, Synchro, make Stardust, Banish Miley for Miley, Synchro, make Colossal, Darken, whatever. Just like that. Just because you attacked a fucking tomato. Yep. So tomato is like, it's so powerful because it gives you access to both sides of your deck. And also, I mean, 14 is not bad. You know what I mean? It's decent attack points. And worse comes to worse, it's not ideal for like, if they don't attack it because, you know, good players not really attacking face downs often, you contribute it off for, uh, for Caius. And another thing is, um, in my Diva Hero deck list, I don't play that many level four monsters. I only play two, which are Stratos and Greffer. That's it. Those are the only level four monsters I play. Um, and the reason why level four import- level four monsters are so important in Diva Hero is because Brionic is a water monster that discards cards, especially cards like Malicious, Treeborn, Plague, whatever. So in order to make Brionic, the most common way is four plus two, right? Um, and because I only play two level four monsters, by adding a tomato in the deck gives you another chance at making Brionic. You know what I mean? So this is why tomato is so important, especially over Penguin Soldier, because Penguin Soldier, he's only two stars. So it's just like, what are you going to make? Like Army Arm? You know what I mean? It's just like uh, Evil Hero Inferno Prodigy is already covering that role. So tomato provides the role of one, giving access to both sides of the deck, two, being a level four monster, and like three, like I said, worst come to worst, he's tribute fodder for Caius. So he's really, really, really good. And I definitely recommend playing that over uh, Penguin Soldier. Okay. I uh, I agree with the tomato thing only because I have experience with that recently from playing Nazar Sarhan's zombie deck where he plays double malicious, no other heroes at all. And he plays triple tomato and one pyramid turtle. So his goal is for you to, at some point, either attack his tomato or he will just start threatening you with those ignorant zombie combos that OTK you. Because it's like, when he sets a monster, you know he's playing zombies. Your fear is always going to be, if that's Goblin Zombie, I don't want that to be on the field. Because right. that shit causes so many problems when they go summon Diva and all that. Uh, so you're scared to leave it, but you're also scared to attack. And if you attack, yep. it gets malicious, like you said, then it's two level eight synchros on top of all the zombie shit that can go wrong. So it's yep. a really, really powerful card. And definitely better than Pigma Soldier both in theory and in just actual like playability. So I get it. Uh, Okay. So let's, we're about two hours in almost. So let's start to wrap up, but I do want to say there's a PS5 tournament this weekend coming up February. What is it? The 25th or something like that. So next weekend, and you're actually returning to the United States to play in that tournament. Correct? Yes, I know. So it's really funny, right? Because, uh, I know a lot of people listening are like, why are you flying from Korea to play in a PS5 tournament? Like, the flight is going to cause more. Because he's rich as fuck. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, let's just say like that, right? <laughs> let's just say like that. For right me, flights, they, they, they don't mean anything. So I'm actually going to be flying um, to America just to play. I mean, not only just to play in a PS5 tournament. That's, of course, the like the number one purpose. But also like to hang out with my friends. Because like the last time before this uh, winter that I was in America was literally three years ago. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I don't get to see like my close friends often, like at all. And like, I've been living in Korea for a long time. And like, I have, you know, people I'm cool with, like, but at the end of the day, my lifelong deeply rooted friends are in America, you know? Yeah. 
So any chance I get to spend with them, is like, it's really special and valuable time to me. But yeah, so to get back on topic, yeah, I will be flying to America to participate in the uh, PS5 tournament. And I'm planning on playing Diva Heroes, of course. Yeah, I made the mistake. Yeah, I made the mistake of ordering all my cards last minute, but I have faith. I think that door. Yeah, and even if you don't get them, I'll probably just have everything realistic. I'm not playing Diva Hero, so anyone listening to this, unless Cairo destroys me tonight before with Diva Hero, and I'm like, <laughs> fuck this, I'm also playing this deck tomorrow. I need to win this tournament with Diva Hero, but uh, no, realistically, I will not be playing Diva Hero. I'm actually a little undecided on my deck. I'm like 50-50 between two decks right now, uh, but we'll see what happens next week. I'm pretty confident in my, my technical play. Like, I'm just one of those people... That's really good at technical play in Yu-Gi-Oh, especially in person, where I don't have to worry about, like, you know, moving a mouse and all that stuff. So uh, I'll be playing in the PS5 tournament as well, as well as a bunch of other friends of ours. And, yeah, it should be a good time hanging out with, with a true hero here and, you know, just shooting the shit before he goes back off to Korea and leaves me to my competitive mm. loneliness. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I need but, yeah, eventually at some point, I do plan on coming back to America, like, for good. For good. Um. You know, right now, without, you know, getting into too much of a personal thing, it just comes down to like when I do come back, you know, nobody wants to live at home with, you know, their parents. Right. You know, especially after you've been living independently for so many years, like to go back and to like kind of revert and live with your parents. It's, it's a bit of a setback. So when I, you know, get in a better situation, I'll definitely come back. OK, well, that sounds good to me. Thank you so much for coming on to the Abner podcast, Cairo. Uh, people please go and subscribe to his youtube channel at a true hero again that'll be in the description of this podcast episode and we will catch you all in the next one as i always say do the things that make you happy also also i almost forgot we have a patreon and we are Mm -hmm. one person away from being at 50 patrons i actually posted this on facebook today and you guys know after we get past 50 (laughs) <laughs> then I have to start reading shit. For the first time, Kenny will if, be if, reading. If you want to, if you want to make me read shit, and you really want to hear me mess some stuff up, <laughs> you got to get us over fifty. <laughs> yeah, so we're at forty nine. Forty nine people are currently patrons of the I'm Their Podcast, and I just think that that is the craziest thing. I love that so much. Uh, thank also, you so much thanks for, for people have been subscribing to our YouTube channel. We made it. We're over six hundred now. Yes, we're trying to push for a thousand, but we hit the five hundred push, and I yes. appreciate it. And once that. we get to a thousand. When we hit a thousand, I'm planning to do like I've mentioned before, but I'm planning to do a subathon uh, where I will be streaming for 24 hours straight. So that'll be something fun. I'll be playing obviously a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, I might be playing God of War, depending on where I am with that game. Octopath Traveler 2 is coming out. So I have Smash Ultimate. I have a Nintendo Online still. Uh, I don't think they deactivated my shit yet. So I have a lot of games and stuff that I could play on stream and just talking with chat. And if there happens to be like a YCS or something that I didn't go to, because there's a bunch of foreign ones too. If it's on one of those weekends, that could be great. We could watch that together. But I was just planning to do this type of thing once we hit a thousand. And yeah, so that's our current goal. And I would appreciate if you're listening to this, subscribing to our YouTube channel. That would be awesome. But also the Patreon, where there's a lot of exclusive content. I upload videos to the Patreon basically every day now, which is so wild. Uh, and our YouTube channel as well. So we have videos every single day between clips and Edison format content, video content from the actual podcast that Kenny puts together. So there's a lot going on. We have a lot of stuff. But uh, without further ado, let me give a shout out to our 49 patrons. All right, we got Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garrett, Xavier, Hylian, Dimitri Barnes, Vinny Casello, Giovanni Avalos, Alex Flamer, Henry Reynolds, 
CJ, Dub K Dad One, Dan Vrabel, First to Home, Dalis Fernares, Estada Kuma, Mitchell Naus, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Dimitri Safiridis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, Roz Weiss, Nick Stango, Hanto, our two-time national champion, Vincent Zen, Sarah Maria, Sunny Top Cut Podcast, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Jalen Haskins, Arali Melfi Slump, Chris Lynn, Jeff Luang, Wookie 159, Connor LK, MSW 2389, Edison Club, Kyle Batelho, Brandon Moore, Sugal, Nick, Eric Natha, Corey Fowler, Omar Ramos, and Elijah Barfoth. I think I said that right. Elijah Barfoth. So, Elijah, special shout out to you and Omar, our two newest Patreon members. Both of you joined thank in the you, last, thank you, thank you. like, what is that, three days, four or five days or something like that. We got two new party members, which is great. If you guys haven't joined the Discord server and you're a patron, please message me so I can send you a link to our Discord server. I usually send a link to everyone who subscribes to the Patreon. No matter what tier you are, you get a link to the Patreon, you get a link to the Discord server, and it's, you know, you stay in there in perpetuity, of course, unless you, like, do something crazy in there, which no one has done yet, thank God. So, uh, yeah, if you want access to that, you can subscribe at the lowest tier to get access to the Discord server. And our Yu-Gi-Oh! channel, in particular, is always popping, but we have a ton of channels. We have a channel for sports, a channel for TV shows, for movies, for fashion, for all types of random shit, for rants. Like, literally, people just rant in certain channels. So if you're into that type of thing, um, yeah, check it out. But as always, say, guys, do the things that make you happy. We're getting out of here. Again, thank you, Cairo, for joining us. I will see yes, you this yes. week for the PS5 tournament. Definitely, definitely a pleasure being here. I'm, you know, thanks again. Yes, Hell no yeah. problem. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll do a, a big Edison podcast where like me, you, Stango, we might bring Luke into it. Gary, like we could just do like a big podcast where we just have all the boys together and we mm. just talk and rant. It'll probably be chaotic as fuck. It'll probably be chaotic, but it'll be fun. Do you have any uh, any closing words or shout outs or anything, Cairo? Yeah, I mean, I do have a couple closing words. First of all, shout outs to the power of friendship. Yes. That's definitely the most important one, you know. A true friend. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, a true friend, right? You, you said it, a true friend. The spirit of camaraderie. So shout out to that, to over 10, 15 years of friendship. Um, I'm happy to see, like, all of us, you know, growing together. Uh, and two... I mean, I got to say, like, if you guys are at 49 patrons, I think I might know who the 50th one would be. If it means we're going to get by reading out shit, I think I might know who the 50th one would be. Mm. Ooh. So, you know, definitely, uh, definitely expect uh, a patron over here from a true hero. All right. Oh, I'm going to try to try to get there for 50. All right. I'm going to try to get there. That would be great. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, peace out. We Thank will catch you. you in the next one. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Cairo. So long, Gabe Bowser. Thank you.